Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read verses 15 and 16 uh, and kind of talk about that a little bit this morning, a little bit different way than normal. If you'd stand with me as we read God's word this morning, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything, but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You may be seated. Now, immediately after Jesus teaches us how he expects us to live as his children, he follows up with his teaching on being salt and light. And this teaching on salt and light is, is famous, it's powerful, it's been used incredibly out of context. Uh, one of our former presidents uh, described America as a city set on a hill. And I understand the alliteration, I understand the illustration, but understand that, that this verse has nothing to do with the United States, okay? This is talking about us as children, us as followers of Jesus Christ, us as his emissaries in what should be to us a foreign land. And the salt of the earth, well, we talk about that, about people, right? When we talk about people who are just good, honest folks, good, hardworking people that you can trust, people that you, uh, that, that you uh, believe in, people who are just good people. We call them the salt of the earth, right? So this teaching in this passage has really grown beyond just what Jesus said to become honestly descriptives of being good people in this world. What does Jesus mean by this? I find it very, as, as I was studying this, I find it very interesting that right after he finishes, I mean, immediately after he finishes telling us how to live, he follows up with this. And he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Now that you know what I expect of you, now that you know where we're going in this journey of growth for you, this is what I want you to do with it. This is what I want you to be. Why does he use these two illustrations of natural elements to challenge us to change the world? Well, I think it's because of the specific actions that these two elements have in the natural world. They're, simply not, they're not simply dormant elements that, um, that simply exist. These are two natural elements that make a difference every moment of every day. And if they didn't exist, life as we know it wouldn't exist. If you take salt out of the world, not only would your steak or your hamburger or your chicken taste kind of bland, you wouldn't exist, right? Any, any salt freaks who are just, can't, oh, Melvin, wow, your wife just threw you under that bus quick, man. Wow. Wow. I love, I love salt. Eric loves salt. I love salt. I love salt, so, and, and I love it a little too much. Love McDonald's French fries with extra salt. Ketchup, 
maybe dip them in a strawberry milkshake. That's uh, that's just, you know, I'm a little weird. But salt is incredibly important to the sustaining of life. Here in New England, right, salt is our savior in the winter. Right? Without salt, our roads are just slick. And light, nothing grows without light. We, we are vitamin D deficient up here because we don't get as much light as they do down south. So light is incredible. These two elements are amazingly important to the existence and the continuation of life. So I don't think it's, I don't think Jesus was just grabbing at two things to make a point. Now we could go through a longer list of what salt and light do and the benefits they provide. But instead of doing that, instead of kind of looking at the fact that salt flavors and we should bring flavor. Salt preserves and we should be a preservative to this world. Light helps to grow. Light, this and that. Rather than doing that, what I want to do is look at how we, while acting in the capacity of salt and light to the world, can literally change the world for Jesus. Not change the We hear a lot today about changing the world. We hear a lot about changing things, changing this, changing that. And as Christians, I think it's important for us to be good citizens. I think it's important for us to be good stewards of God's creation. After all, that's a responsibility that was given to us as human beings. But that's not what he's saying here. He's not telling us to change the world to make it a better place to live. What he's challenging us to do here is to live a better life and to choose to live a better way so that we will live in such a way that people will see Jesus. Because no amount of change in a life, no amount of counseling, no amount of life coaching will help anyone for eternity. Jesus is the only solution to the eternity problem. After all, that is our mission to change the eternal destiny of people that we know and that we meet. See, it isn't about us. It isn't about building a huge church or success or fame or fortune. It's about reaching people with the love of Jesus and bringing them to the point of decision for or against Jesus. See, we can't make people choose Jesus. We can't make, make people choose. I hate, you know, go to dinner with Anybody, you can't make people choose dinner sometimes. We can't make people choose Jesus. But what we can do is live our lives in such a way that we bring people to the point of decision where the Holy Spirit has freedom in the relationship and has a freedom and, and we have set the, the groundwork. We have tilled the soil. We have planted the seed. We've watered it. And now the Holy Spirit can change a life. We're the conduit between the lost and Jesus, the connection that must be made if they're going to hear. That's why Jesus told us to live like his children, to act like his followers. And now he tells us to be agents of change to a world in need. Now it's no secret that we're losing brothers and sisters in Christ in the fight on a daily basis. Daily basis. 
And it's not just people walking out of church. We can't blame it on COVID. We can't blame it on this and that. We literally have leaders in the church who are making a decision to renounce their faith. And I got to tell you, I'm old school. And if you can renounce your faith that easy, I'm just not quite sure you ever had it. That's why it's so vitally important that we know what we know and we know who we know. And that we make sure that we are sharpening iron. Last night we had a great time. Great time. Had 10 couples or so out here. Uh, Great summer turnout. And it was about sharpening each other. Told people what we were expecting about it. And, uh, And out of it. It was a good time. And I, I mean, I, I was refreshed. It's been a long week. I've had something literally every day, just every day. I get stuck in it. I told him last night, we, I had to go up to Boston to see the, the VA surgeon to try to schedule a date for my hip replacement. Made it up there, and we made it up to the Jamaica Plain Boston VA Hospital in an hour, was it hour and 40 minutes? Hour and 45 Amazing on a Friday morning rush hour traffic. And my appointment was 9.15, left at 6.30 in the morning. And we did not hit one traffic jam all the way up. Got on Route 9, boom, right down, right down to Jamaica VA. In fact, we were able to go. Eric went with us, and we were able to go, we, we were able to go and have breakfast, right? We were able to have, go, go and have breakfast. Eric finished my hash, my uh, hash, my corned beef hash. On the way back, man, we went up Route, five, route 9, we got on the Mass Pike. We are cruising back, and we hit Worcester, and we started hitting traffic. And then we hit Warren, and we stopped there for about two hours. And it wasn't because we wanted to get chicken. It was because there was an accident in, on the Palmer exit, and we just sat there. And I had a wedding at 5 o'clock, so it took us forever to get back, get back in time. But it's been a long, it's been a long week. But last night, man, last night was medicine. Last night was awesome. It was just a great time. I challenge you, come on out. Come on out and, uh, and, and join us and be part of the next one. As I said, it's no secret that we're losing brothers and sisters. It's no secret that we're losing lieutenants and captains and colonels and generals in the battle. What we need to do as believers is exactly what Jesus told us to do. Live like his children and then be salt and light to the world. Be salt and light to each other. Be salt and light to each other in our church. Because I I take the verse, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And I can apply that in so many different ways. What does it profit us as new life? If we gain new people through the front door, but we keep losing people through the back door. What benefit is that for us? That's not building. That's maintaining. We need to build. And if we're going to build, we need to grow personally. We need to stop simply trying to uh, maintain. We need to try to push forward. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. Now that you know how to live, now that I've told you what I expect of you, and it's not a suggestion. These are expectations. The Beatitudes, they're not suggestions, folks. They're expectations. Jesus said, I expect you to live like this. Now, it's your choice. 
You can choose, listen, man, you could choose to be a miserable bump on a log as a Christian. And if that's what you choose, well, God bless you. You're going to talk to him about it when you get to eternity. But I'll tell you what I choose. I choose to be in the midst of the battle, in the middle of the fray, doing the best I can to reach people, to find out and make sure I'm in the dead center of God's calling for my life and to do the best I possibly can to reach as many people as I possibly can before he calls me home. My father, I tell you what, this, for those of you who, do, who don't know yet, my dad was on hospice care. Now I say was, they took him out of a hospice care. The man just won't die. Sorry, dad, love you to death, man, love you. But my dad just refuses. I'm loving it, I'm loving that. And he's fighting and he's, you know, even at the age of 88, my dad learned that he had to change some things, right, mom? Dad won't use the C word, he won't say change. But he learned in order to move on, in order to stick around here, he had to change some things. So he did. And now he's still here. And God has a plan. And my dad still is searching to find God's plan for his situation right now. Man, that's the way I want to live. I want to go out with my boots on. I want to go out kicking and screaming. I want to, as Toby Mac says, I want to go down swinging. I want to make sure I'm fighting the fight up until the very end. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. I expect you to live this way. And now that you know how to live, this is why. Because you need to be salt and light to a world that is flavorless and tasteless and sitting and living in darkness. This morning, I want to answer the question, how can I change the world for Jesus? How can I? And you'll notice the I is in quotations. It's because all five of these are going to start with I. How can I change the world? And I didn't say we. I said I. Because it has to be personal. It cannot simply be collective. Yes, as a church, we are desirous to change East Long Meadow, to change Springfield, to change Westside, to change Enfield, to change wherever it is you live. We are desirous to change our communities, Hamden, even Long Meadow. All right? The Lancers. Our desire is to change our community for Jesus. And as a, as a church, that's a collective goal. But the only way we reach that collective goal is by individually living for Jesus. Last night we talked about that as a, as a couple. We, the Bible says we are one. When we get married, we become one. But understand, you're still an individual. And you will still stand before Jesus and answer for the way you lived your personal life. Listen, as the husband, I'm not just going to stand, I'm not going to answer for the way Erin, all the choices she made. I'll answer for the way I led my family. But she's going to answer for her life. And I'm going to answer for mine. 
So each one of us has an individual responsibility to choose to follow Jesus, to choose to be salt and light, to live these beatitudes, to take them, to apply them to our lives and live like a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ and be salt and light to the world. So how can I change the world for Jesus? The first way I believe is by the influence that I exert. Oh, that's, that's heavy. What do you want me to do? Run for office? If that's what God calls you to do, right? If God calls you to be a public figure, then yes, I would expect that. Listen, that's not, that's not my forte. That's not my cup of tea. I, 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 I'm not, I don't have that makeup. You might. You might. How about being a leader at work and, and going for uh, a, a, a position at work that gives you a greater opportunity to meet different people. Oh, I, I, I just go to work to make money to supply and to support my family. Is that the only reason you go to work? Or when you go to work, do you see your place of business as a mission field? As a place to reach more people and to not just to reach, but to get to know more people so that you can have an influence. Yeah, pray the prayer of Jabez, right? Lord, increase my territory, increase my influence. Give me a greater opportunity to meet people. Listen, man, the only way, the only way you reach people is by meeting people. Meet people, reach people in your community. Man. Now, for our, for uh, we are, both Aaron and I are in line for hip replacements. So taking walks right now is not our, uh, I mean, do you talk about growing old together? That's it right there, right? <laughs> We're growing old together. We're both getting new hips. Eventually, 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 okay? But how about walking your neighborhood? How about getting to know the people? How about getting to know your neighbors? How about getting to know people in your, in your community? How about going to get it? Instead of going to the drive-thru all the time, if you have the time, how about going in and, and meeting face-to-face and meeting people in line at, at Dunkin' Donuts or, or Satan's Coffee Place there? Star, Starbucks. Starbucks, right? The, the, devil's, the devil's brew, right? Or Cumberland Farms. They know us at Cumberland Farm, and they give us free. We, well, we, we come in with a, a, an army, but go outside your comfort zone and start meeting people and start striking up those relationships. Start getting to know people. Maybe God will. I think, I think one of two things will happen, and I, I see myself in one of these two capacities. Either God will make you a person of influence. Or God will, like he does with me, God will connect you with people of influence. So through them, you can have influence. So I don't have a, I'm not a big person of influence, but I know people. And, and through that, I can get connections and I can get direction and I can find things out that can enhance my life and my ministry and help me to meet new people. Call it... Um, what is that? Networking? Networking? It's networking. We didn't do much networking on the loading docks, but uh, networking. I could change the world by the influence I exert. 
Aaron bought me a, a, a wall hanging. It was for Father's Day, and it says, you'll never influence the world by trying to be like it. You, win, you will influence the world, though, by trying to change it. Have no doubt. And here's, here's where I think so many of us get lazy as Christians. We think, well, I'm just going to sit back and wait till Jesus comes. Let me tell you something. You are going to have influence one way or the other. Listen, you could choose to be a miserable person, and guess what kind of influence you're going to have? Misery. And they say misery loves company. Yeah. Happy doesn't love misery. <laughs> so you could choose to be miserable. You can choose to be um, a lazy Christian, and that's the kind of influence you will have. But you're going to have influence in life, and you're going to have influence as a follower of Jesus. The kind of influence you have depends on your perspective, depends on the choices you make, and it depends on the path you choose to follow. If you choose to, to follow the path of fortune and fame and self-satisfaction, then that's the kind of influence you'll have. But if you choose to follow the path of honoring Jesus Christ and building his kingdom and being salt and light to a world that needs salt and light, well, that's the kind of influence you will have. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Cindy Spivey said, Never underestimate the influence of the people that you have allowed in your life. Part of the way you're going to influence the, the world is by the people you choose to allow to have influence on you. If you choose to allow people in your life that are bad actors, if you choose to allow people into your life that uh, don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ, well, guess what? That's the kind of influence they'll exert. And it's going to kind of, remember, remember in Dr. Doolittle, the push me, pull you? And it had two heads facing a different, both facing opposite directions. How'd that thing ever move? Well, that's kind of like it, what it is if you're a follower of Jesus and you say you want to follow him, but you allow yourself to be surrounded and influenced by people who have no desire to follow Jesus Christ at all. Their influence is going to be negative on you. And pretty soon it's going to dull your blade. And you're not going to have that sharp influence on the world or even on your community that he's called you to have. Proverbs 13, 20 says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. That's what Bible studies, that's what gatherings and get-togethers in the church are all about. That's not necessarily how we grow our church. That's how we strengthen our church. By getting together as, as individuals, as men, as women, as couples, bringing our kids to the, to the youth group on, on Sunday nights. Listen, man, if you've got teenagers and they're not here on a Sunday night, and I know they don't have group tonight, but if they're not here on a Sunday night, you have no idea what, their ki what your kids are missing. We are blessed to have one of the best youth pastors that I've ever met in my life in this church. And we're blessed that he hasn't taken the offers to, to move to Texas, to move to California, to move to Missouri, um, to make a heck of a lot of money to do what he does here for free. So, man, if you've got a teenager that isn't here on Sunday nights, you should rethink your choice. I'm telling you, as a man of 59 who is now has eight children, 
and, uh, and, and has been a youth pastor and has raised kids and has, has ministered to children, it's important at these years of your children's life that they have an influence outside your home in your church, that they learn to respect the leadership of your church and they learn to get involved and learn to learn from somebody else except you, besides you. Let other people invest for the kingdom in your kids. That's my commercial for the youth ministry. And by the way, we have a heck of a lot of good kids in our youth ministry. We have good kids in our youth ministry. And by allowing your children to be around good kids, they're not perfect. These three in the front row here, two angels and Eric lawn mowing. Yeah, they'll try your patience. Love them to death, man. Love them to death. They're a lot of fun. Your kids will learn how to be good kids for Jesus Christ. They'll be around, they'll be surrounded by kids who are being raised in the same way you're raising your kids. Proverbs 12, 26, a righteous person is careful in dealing with his neighbor, but the ways of the wicked lead them astray. We take thought in the way we reach out to people. We take thought and we have purpose in the way we build relationships. We don't just simply build relationships so somebody will watch our house when we're out of town. We don't just build relationships so that we can have a a neighborhood barbecue. We build relationships so that God will open up the door for us to have the opportunity to share eternity with people who are on their way to hell. The second way I believe that we can be salt and light to this world, that I can be, is by the illumination I provide. By the illumination I provide. That's what light does, right? Light lights up the world. Light lights up a room. Light lights up your desk. It lights up your nightstand. Light Lights, everything else. Light also helps things grow. Aaron bought a a sunflower plant. We have two of them now, and they need sun. So they're they're, they're sitting in the front of our house, which is in sun almost all day long, getting as much sun as possible. Why? So that they'll grow and be strong and healthy. So that they'll give off beauty. And the, when I, I, I like, when I, Erin, she said, I want to put it right here so that when I drive up into the driveway, I see that because she loves sunflowers and it makes her happy. I think it's a great, I think that's a great reason. And we keep it in the sun so that it will be fed and then it will grow and become strong and last and live long. Listen, we give off, we're supposed to give off light to this world so that people can see life in us. We're supposed to give off light to our brothers and sisters in church so that they will grow. John Hagee said, we are indeed the light of the world, but only if our switch is turned on. That's, I mean, that's just, that's just basic common sense, isn't it? You can have all the electricity running through your house you wanted, but unless you flip that switch, your house is going to be dark. First Corinthians 6, 22 Paul talked about the way he interpreted this and the way he intended to live. He says, to the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I might by all possible means save some. Do you really mean that, pastor? Do you really mean 
that I've become all things. I absolutely. Now, that doesn't mean I have to become an alcoholic to reach alcoholics. It's not what it means at all. You know what Paul is saying? I open up my heart and my mind to everybody possible. I am not a respecter of persons. And I will go to whom I need to go in order to reach them with the gospel. If, if we really, listen, man, we, we worshiped this morning, right? We worshiped to reckless love. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think that reckless love reaches to everybody out there? Because right now, folks, there's not a lot of the church living that way. Oh, that reckless love found me. And that reckless love preserves me and keeps me and strengthens me and encourages me. But I struggle to see many times how we as church people, how we as the children of God in this state, in this country, in this world, are living as if the reckless love of Jesus Christ leaves our 99 and seeks the one. We will change the world by the illumination that we provide, by the way we light up our community, by how far we're willing. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't know their lifestyle. I cannot, I cannot compromise my belief system. Really? Can I just, can I just give you a theological argument there? That is the most knuckle-headed thing I've ever heard. Jesus ate with drunks. Jesus is a man. Jesus hung out with prostitutes. Jesus hung out with tax collectors. Jesus hung out with thieves and robbers. Jesus ministered to the... I mean, as Jesus was breathing his last breaths on this earth, he was ministering to some guy who was dying because he was a thief. Don't tell me I can't dirty myself by going to them because of their, their lifestyle, because of whether you think their life is a choice or whether you think, I don't care. I really, I really don't care about the question, the stupid questions we argue of. I really don't care about those. What I care about is this. Nobody's going to die and go to hell because they made a bad choice in life. Nobody's going to die and go to hell because they believe science is this. Nobody's going to die and go to hell because they believe that man creates um, climate change. Nobody's going to die and go to hell because they voted for a D instead of an R or an R instead of a D. Nobody's going to die and go to hell for those things. They're going to die and go to hell because they don't accept Jesus as their savior. And if that's not enough to motivate you to get over yourself and to get over your petty grievances about what people aren't, then I don't know what it's going to ha- what it's going to take. Man, I know, I know pastors and I know Christians who are bailing out of this state left and right. Can you imagine that? leaving this state because it's too hard to live as a, as a conservative in Massachusetts. I, can I, uh, let's just address this, man. I'm not called to live as a conservative, and quite honestly, half of my church isn't conservative. All right? Dirty little secret about new life. <laughs> I'm not called to be a conservative. I'm called to be a follower of Jesus. 
I'm called to reach people with the gospel. Hey, take those stupid political arguments. And I know I'm being rough on, on those kind of things, and I don't really care because that's the way it, that I, quite honestly, that's the way I see it. Take those stupid arguments and go to Russia. We're, we're arguing about a basketball player who broke a law in Russia. And is it, yo, the Constitution doesn't apply in Russia. Get over yourself. Stop arguing about that stuff and start talking about winning people to Jesus Christ. Okay? Take your, take your constitutional argument to China. Take your constitutional argument to North Korea. I've got a, I've got a friend who is a missionary in a, in a country like that. Can't, can't tell you where. Take that con. Man, there's no constitutional rights. They find out what him and his wife are doing there. They're going to prison camp and probably going to die. Your constitutional rights mean nothing outside of the borders of this country. So get over yourself, American. And start living like Jesus wants you to live. Start getting over yourself, Republican, and realize that it ain't going to happen here in Massachusetts. So start living like Jesus and start changing people's hearts. Okay? Start doing your best to change people's hearts instead of their political party. How about that? How about, how about providing the light of Jesus Christ to people? And see what that will do. That is becoming all things to all men and women and boys and girls. Going beyond your personal preferences. Listen, I have my preferences just like anybody else. I want, if I had my way, I would pay zero taxes. And you know what? You would pay zero taxes as well. Nothing would get done. There'd be no police department. You think the roads are bad now? Don't pay taxes. Right? East Long Meadow, we, we, our, our biggest complaint, you can tell we live in the suburbs. Think about this, Melvin. You think you got problems in Springfield. Our biggest complaint in East Long Meadow, but there's a couple of them. The first one is this, our trash cans are too small. Right? Our trash cans are too small. What in the world? How do you expect a family of, a family of seven to fit all our trash in this trash can? That's our big complaint. Really? Come on. Come on. And now another big argument is there's going to be another bank in town. Well, you know what? They don't put banks in places that don't have money. All right? And this one, count yourself fortunate, East Long Meadow, because they're talking about putting, get ready, a Chase bank in East Long Meadow. That's right. A Chase bank in East Long Meadow. It's about time. It's about time. Right? Take over the world, baby. Chase Bank. That's right, Eric. You see the silly things we get twisted over? They don't matter in the light of eternity, man. Start, be, start becoming a light to the world. Illuminate your area so that people see Jesus, not your complaint. So they see Jesus, not your irritation. So that they see, they see their need, not your want. First John 1 verses 6 through 8 say if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness we are lying and are not practicing the truth if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one and listen to this man this is one of my DC talk man one of my favorite groups of all time right DC talk sang a song in the light it's one of my favorite songs they ever sang it's on, Zach, check me. It's on Jesus Freak, right? In the Light? It's on Jesus Freak album. Yep. 
Listen to it. It's classic. Say, I want to be in the light because you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven. Lord, be my light and be my salvation. All I want to be is in the light. Just be in the light. Jesus says, if you walk in the light, I mean, we have, we have fellowship with him, and yet uh, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we're, not, we're, we're lying and we're not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Walking in the light, Christian, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we're walking in the light, we're walking together. So walking in the light of Jesus' love and purpose and mission brings unity to our church, brings unity to our purpose, brings unity to our cause. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Walk in the light just like he wants you to be walking in the light. Walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Be real. <laughs> have realistic expectations of each other. Have realistic expectations of yourself. Jesus didn't say be perfect. In fact, Jesus said just the opposite in this verse, right? He says, walk in the light just as uh, John, John wrote, that Jesus said, walk in the light just as I am in the light. And in the same time that he says, walk in the light, he says, and by the way, don't call yourself perfect. Don't say that you're perfect. Because if you say you don't have sin, you're a liar. So just because you're walking in the light doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. When you're walking in the light, that's when iron sharpening iron comes into play. When you're walking in the light, that's where we come into play, where we're holding up the, the arms that hang down where we're encouraging each other, where we're strengthening each other and helping each other to become better and helping each other to overcome those struggles. Listen, we're not going to just be talking about uh, fun stuff in these couples getting get-togethers. No, it's not. I told them last night, it's not therapy and it's not marriage coaching, but it is some good principles about marriage and how to have a solid marriage, biblical marriage. That's what, this, that's what this is supposed to be all about, helping each other become better so that we can go out there and light up the world. We're not going to finish this today, but let me go ahead and go back. Brian, I'm going to go back one <laughs> to Romans 13. I skipped over it. And we're going to go back to it. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. And we'll close out today with this. Besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. Because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. That's a powerful phrase right there. You know what he's telling me? That in order to live, live for him and follow him, I better be prepared for battle. I better be prepared for war. Anybody walk in the rainbow lights and, and flowers and apple pie and peach cobbler and hot dogs and bologna sandwiches path that is just nothing but loveliness and happiness and wonderful la 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 root beer floats? Yeah, I didn't think so. In fact, it's just getting tougher and tougher and tougher. It's awesome that gas came down 40 cents a gallon to four and a half dollars. 
Come on, man. And when truckers have, when the, it just, everything goes up, right? Everything goes up. My 401, our, our 401k is a two and a half K. It's because it's lost so much. Well, thank you very much. A two, a two oh and a half, two oh point five. I don't know, the, the math eludes me here. I made the mistake of opening it last week. I haven't opened it for like eight months, Jeremy, no lie. I opened the, I opened it, I was like, oh, wow, wow. I didn't know I could lose so much money. He goes on. He says, let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. That's a good first step, isn't it? Don't make any provisions for the, you know what that means? That means that sometimes you have to change your route home. That means sometimes you have to change the conversations you start your day out with. That means sometimes you have to change the grocery store you go to. Sometimes you have to change the people you hang around with. Change people, places, and things, right? That's a, that's a good step to success. Sometimes, quite honestly, you need to change, change the church you go to. Not anybody here, but some of you know that. Sometimes you need to change the people that advise you in life. Because if you're going to not make any provisions for your flesh, you need to have different influences in your life. How can I change the world? I can change it by the influence I exert, and I can change it by the illumination I provide. Next week, we'll pick up with the third one. I can change the world by the impact that I make. I hope you'll come back. and hope if you've been joining us online, you'll, you'll join us again online. And I, I pray that this week, during summer, while the sun is going to be illuminating us quite a bit here this week, heat wave coming up, that you'll do your dead level best to find out exactly what it is Jesus has for you and what he wants you to do and how he wants you to be salt and light to your world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house today. We thank you so much for the opportunity to worship, to praise you, and the opportunity to dig into your word. Lord, it's not an easy task. It's not a simple calling. Father, the message is clear, but it's getting there that is the tough part. Lord, as we begin to enter a new week, a road that we've never walked, facing open doors that we've never, never gone through before. Would you give us courage? Would you give us strength? Would you give us power and passion? Show us, Lord, how to be salt and how to be light. And bless us, Father, in your name we pray. Amen.